You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You know, I got to tell you something. I feel sorry for those who go through life and life's experience, particularly when those life's experience throw us curves without God, especially in times of sorrow. You know, the 46th Psalm in verse 1 tells us that God is a present help in times of trouble. You know, hold on to that. You'll find Him so near in times of trouble, you know? If that is if you're looking for Him. What a blessing to see God's hand even in sorrows. Have you ever had a time in your life, whether you're a Christian or not, where you felt completely abandoned? Where even if there is a creator, he's not with you? In today's message, Pastor Mike expresses his sadness for the people who feel that way and offers a solution, Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, I just said that I felt like God abandoned me. How is he the solution? The Bible says that God leaves nobody. Are you really sure it's He who abandoned you? Or was it you who neglected looking for Him? Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 48 as he continues his message, Jacob's Last Will and Testament. And as he fell asleep on that desert floor, he saw this ladder and he saw the angels of God ascending and descending upon that ladder. And he thought to himself, oh, that's the way that I can apprehend God. I'll just climb the ladder. Interestingly enough, in the gospel, according to John, Jesus refers to himself as that ladder. And isn't that so very true? You think about it in that analogy, because Jesus himself, no one comes unto the father except through me. So the truth of the matter, he is the ladder by which we ascend unto God, where we can get a hold of God, where we can apprehend God in times of trouble, the same kind of trouble that Jacob is experiencing. So with that said, he's in Bethel, he's there in the middle of the desert, he's frightened, and then he, he falls asleep, and, he, and in that dream, he has this vision of the ladder, which is recorded for us in chapter 28, in verses 16 and 17. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. But you see, he's surprised by all of this, you see. He didn't know that, you know, wherever he went, God was with him. He didn't, he didn't have that understanding in his relationship with God. And then let me cite another example. The point that I'm trying to make is how feeble his his relationship, his walk with God was until he's lying on his deathbed. 
And then in chapter 30, in verse 2, as Rachel is chiding Jacob, Rachel was one of Jacob's wives, his favorite wife, by the way. She is chiding Jacob because she did not have any children. And within that culture back then, if a wife was unable to bear her husband a child, it was considered that she was under a curse. That's just the way it was within that that culture. Going back to remember what God said to the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So not to be able to do that was considered being under a curse. And so Rachel is chiding Jacob because she did not have any children. And Jacob becomes angry. And he says in chapter 30 in verse 2, Am I in the place of God, notice the, the name God, who has kept you from having children? Okay, so yes, in all of these examples, in all of these cross-references that I've just cited, we see Jacob as being acquainted with God, looking to the promises of God. But then again, you cannot detest, uh, detect any closeness. There's really no prayer. He's always trusting on his own cleverness rather than just waiting on God to direct his life. Well, now it's at the end of his life and everything has changed. He realizes although he hasn't been close to God, God has been close to him. And not only was God close to him, but he was faithful to fulfill all of the promises that he made to Jacob as well. Aren't you glad that our relationship with God is more dependent upon him than it is upon us? Aren't you glad? You know, yes, is our part, but God's part far uh, supersedes our part. And I'm so thankful for that. God, even in our lapses of faith, continues to remain faithful to us. And he'll fulfill all of the promises that are recorded for us in his word for his people. So this is exactly what Jacob wanted to pass on to his children, that testimony. And this testimony is of eternal importance. It's our legacy to impart unwavering faith in God to our children. You know, isn't it interesting that as parents, and those of you who are parents could testify to this, uh, we'll do anything that we can possibly do to see that our kids are well-situated in life, uh, that they've enjoyed a good education, that they have certain assets. But listen, gang, don't miss this. Your testimony is more important than anything that you can leave behind for them. Because everything else can perish overnight. And it is only the knowledge of God and faith in him that alone remains. Remember that. Make that investment. Man, I tell you something. We were so invested in sports for our kids. And uh, talk to any of my kids. We put them through camps. We spent so much money. We did this. We did that. We spent more. I got to tell you something. We probably spent more time investing in sporting things than in spiritual things. I'm just so glad that it worked out anyway. All of my children are in church, thank God. Uh, uh, some of them are here with us this morning, and I'm thankful for that. My sons-in-law as, as well, and now even my grandchildren. But i got to tell you something. I wish that I would have spent more time invested in spiritual things as far as my children are concerned. It's so very, very important. And so here Jacob's spirit 
triumphs over the flesh, and thus God is acknowledged as his all and all. Listen, gang, we need to get to the same place because it's a wonderful place. In the 91st Psalm, the psalmist testifies to this truth in verses 14 through 16. He says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. These are God's promises to you. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. What a wonderful promise that is in times of trouble. When you feel like you've been rejected or all alone, you're never alone. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, he'll be there for you. I mean, could you put a dollar and cents value on that? I don't think so. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. God's going to honor us? Are you kidding me? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. How precious are those promises, gang? Think about that, right? What a blessing that is. Now, there's something else here that I want to draw your attention to. When our life, remember the heading that we're talking about here. When our life is formed by the reality of God, it affects us in so many areas. Let's examine Jacob's testimony once again. Let's go back to it. I want you to notice Jacob's thankfulness. He's thankful to God for past blessings. He's looking back. All of these recollections that he has of God and God's working in his life. You know, uh, so he's thankful. And if you want to sum up what Jacob is like, he would be someone, if you were putting together a list, at, at least at the top of the list, you would say, here's someone who's very thankful. Now, I want to share an observation with you. People who are slipping into old age, there are two things that are very evident about them. There are two attitudes that prevail in people who are old and are slipping into old age. The first of which, and both, and both of these examples are errors, by the way. The first of which is, they think that they are responsible for their own blessings. And thus they're always bragging about their own accomplishments, accomplishments by their own hand. So, an observation, the first of which is, you know, that old person thinks that they are responsible for their own blessings. And they're always bragging about their own accomplishments. Now, that's wrong. The second example that I want to share with you is that here's another person who feels as if they missed out on blessings, and thus they become extremely bitter. For whatever reason, they feel as if they missed out on certain blessings for a variety of different reasons. I'll, I'll suggest a few in a moment. So what you have here in these two examples is a braggart and someone who's become extremely bitter. And I've found that a lot of people in their old age fall into one of those two categories. One will say, remember how I got it done. I'm so smart. I'm better than everyone else. And then on the other hand, you have someone who says, you know, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I would have gotten that job, or I would have gotten that promotion, or I would have been able to advance myself, and life would have been so different for me now. Do you know how hard my life has been? Have you ever heard that? Have you ever spoken to old people? That are, you know? And it's usually one or the, or the other. Listen, there was nothing like that in Jacob at this stage of his life. Both of those things are absent. 
Old age for Jacob is pleasing. It's beautiful. Instead of like some kind of a horror show. He's looking back. He's thankful. As I mentioned before, all of the wonderful recollections of what God had done right up into the very present time. Now, another effect of a God-oriented outlook on life is that it provides great consolation for life's sorrows. Jacob experienced, you know, we've been following this man's life now for several months in our series, in our studies. Jacob experienced some hard times. And he could have fallen into one of those two categories that I just referred to. I mean, he could have been become bitter, but he didn't. You see, why didn't he become bitter? Because he saw the things that went on in his life as being in the hand of God and was therefore consoled. Sorrow was there, yes. There were times where he had every right to be sorrowful for the things that had happened to him, but there's an absence of anger. Let me give you an example. Go back to verse 7 of our text for a moment. Let's go back to our text there in chapter 48 and verse uh, 7. And uh, notice he's thinking about Rachel, his wife. And he's thinking about her death as they were traveling from one place to another. She, she was pregnant. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the water broke. And she's about to give birth. So they probably... Now, I'm reading into, into the text, yes. But I don't think it's a far stretch of the imagination. They probably set up a tent where she was going to give birth. But the problem was she gave birth to another son, Benjamin, but she expired in the giving of the birth. And you see, as he was there addressing Joseph and looking into the face of Joseph, remember, Joseph was uh, born of Rachel. And so he probably had some featured characteristics of what Rachel looked like. And so Jacob is looking into the face of Joseph, and in that face he saw something about his wife, Rachel. And yes, he digresses a little bit here. Remember, from his testimony, and all of a sudden his mind goes back to this experience. We're talking about a sorrowful experience. If you ever lost someone that you loved, uh, particularly a wife or a husband, a spouse, a child, you know, you know what a horrible experience that is. So there was something in Joseph's face that brought a vision of his wife, Rachel, back to mind. And he's thinking about his love. He's thinking about the 14 years that he served his uncle Laban and Haran for her hand. But then he's also thinking about how that Rachel died giving birth to one of his sons, Benjamin. He's remembering the burial which left a hole in his heart that nothing humanly speaking could fill. I mean, how do, you know, how do you fill a hole like that? I mean, how do you replace the loss of a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or, or someone who genuinely loves you? I mean, you can't replace them. There's no one like that. His loss was great, but God's consolation was equal to that loss. You know, i got to tell you something. I feel sorry for those who go through life and life's experience, particularly when those life's experience throw us curves without God, especially in times of sorrow. You know, the 46th Psalm in verse 1 tells us that God is a present help in times of trouble. You know, hold on to that. You'll find Him so near in times of trouble, you know? If, that is, if you're looking for Him. What a blessing to see God's hand, even in sorrows, and be turned from bitterness 
the blessing. Now, the final effect of a God-oriented life here, there is strength to do what needs to be done in any present circumstance. Okay, let's go back to Jacob. Think about what's going on here. Here, Jacob's body and mind are failing him. But notice in verse 2, he pulls himself up, he strengthens himself, and does what needs to be done. You know what this reminds me of? That verse of Scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 33 and verse 25, that tells us, as thy days, so shall your strength be. What does that indicate? Well, in other words, in any circumstance, with God, you will always find sufficient strength. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what, whatever you come up against, you know, even in your weakness, you'll find the strength of God sufficient for that need. So think about Jacob now. Uh, he's too enfeebled to stand. He's blind. His mind is slipping, which is revealed in his uh, digressing, you know, in what he was seeking to accomplish, that is share his testimony with his sons. And all of a sudden he goes back to, you know, remembering his wife Rachel and her expiring. You know, that's something common that's also with uh, people of old age. You know, they'll go from one topic and subject to another. Have you ever experienced that? You'll be in the middle of a conversation, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, left field. And what are you, what are you talking about, you know, kind of a thing. It's something that's pretty common in old age. But notice what he had to accomplish. He had to show Joseph's sons affection. He had to admonish the boys. He had to bless the boys. He had to articulate his intention to adopt the boys so that they could be beneficiaries of the covenant that God had made with him. What was that covenant? That uh, he was going to make of them a great nation. That in the seed of his uh, grandfather, uh, Abraham, all of the nations of the earth would be blessed, which is a prophetical announcement concerning the Messiah, Jesus Christ, right? Notice in verse 16, let's, let's just quickly read that in verse 16, which is not a part of our of our uh, text, but an angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let, I believe that that word angel, by the way, in the Hebrew, it can be translated messenger. He's referring to the angel that he wrestled with the night before that his brother Esau, who swore the vow to kill him, caught up with him. And remember, he, uh, he wrestled with uh, that angel that night, and his hip was uh, uh, torn out of place and he was left a crippled whereby he could not run from his brother Esau and totally needed to be dependent upon God. And I believe that that angel that he wrestled with that night was Jesus Christ himself. It was a theophanies, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. So that's the angel that he's referring to here. That word angel can be literally translated messenger. So it's not necessarily an, an, an angel, as, you know, like, a, like an angel or an archangel or a seraphim or a cherubim. It, it, just, it can be translated in the Hebrew, messenger. Messenger from God. I believe it's a theophanies, Jesus Christ. So the angel who had redeemed me from all evil. And of course, an angel couldn't have redeemed anybody from all evil. Only Jesus could do that. Bless the lads, the sons of Joseph. Let my name be named upon them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of of the earth. That was the covenant 
that he wanted to pass along to them. Now, remember, these kids lived like princes in Egypt. So this is no small thing. I mean, to convince these kids. I mean, think about it. To convince these boys it was better to suffer the reproach of the God of Abraham than to enjoy the dignities of Egypt. This is no small thing. You know, put yourself in, in these kids' shoes for a moment. You know, suffer with the, the people of God? Forget it. I'm living royally here. I'm, you know, I'm living large here in Egypt. I'm a prince, man. I have access to the court of the king. Are you kidding me? I'll identify with the Jews, the, Israel, the Israelis. I don't know. So this is no small thing to convince these kids of the value of this testimony, you see. Okay, anyway, what need, what crisis is there going on right now in your life presently? Well, here's what I want you to take away from this message. God will strengthen you. He will cause you to be successful. Okay, how's that? Well, simply... The answer is right here, by the way, in front of us. Notice the name by which Jacob is referred to in verses 2, 8, 10, and 11. Four times in this text of Scripture that was a part of our text, Israel. And remember, as I've already mentioned, the name Israel is literally translated someone who is governed by God. That's it. That's how we are strengthened. That's how we can become successful. The name which signified the change in Jacob once he had been brought to fully submit to God as the result of wrestling with the angel at Jabok. Genesis chapter 32, just in case you're not familiar with that text of Scripture. The account and the record is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 32. Jacob wrestling with Jesus, actually. You see, Israel at that moment had been conquered. Maybe you need to be. Maybe you're kind of wishy-washy in your commitment to the Lord. You're not fully committed. You're not completely sold out. You're sort of like have a lot of Jacob left in you. You need to go through this transformation. You need to go through this name change. You need to get out of the Jacob, the surplanter, the heel catcher, the, the guy who you know, lives by his, his wit and... Uh, cunning and, and, and just simply rest and trust in the Lord. What a difference that makes. Just completely having faith in God. Israel had been conquered by God, and that is why he saw life from God's perspective. This is why he had strength to rally himself even in old age on his deathbed and point the new generation, Joseph's sons, in the right direction. Listen, gang. We need, today, more than ever before, men and women who are exactly like this. So let me put this to you, a challenge. Won't you be one of those types of individuals? Won't you be someone who is absolutely conquered by God? In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house Where I long to be oh, When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones. Getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. 
When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, we see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.